This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every week. We get into discussions about the mental side of sports on this show. I've been very privileged to have been on the radio now for a long time, 29 years, the last 19 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our shows are rebroadcast around the country and podcasted as well. And love doing this show because we talk about you. You know, sports talk gets into a lot of things, but this show talks about the mental side and you, how you react, how you deal with pressure, what are the definitions of success and failure, how do you accomplish your goals, how do you deal with sportsmanship, and of course today in our society with all the issues with the coronavirus and everything going on, we try to relate that to how you're handling your stress, the pressures and anxieties in your lives. You know, this is a difficult time and the mental aspect of things is talked about finally more and more. As you know, if you listen to this show, I've talked about the psychological side of sports forever. And not just that, but the importance of mental health, the importance of mindsets, the importance of taking care of yourself. You know, like I've always said, you can have Two athletes are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. Well, how do you get a stronger mind? There are a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways you can get there. One of those things relates to your attitude. And I've talked on this show a lot about what I call the four keys to success. Preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence. Preparations, you know, how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally. All the things you do to get ready to go compete, whatever your sport whatever your age. Do you take the time? You know, and it's amazing how many people will talk to me and yet they don't do anything mentally to get ready. Oh, I just sort of show up. How about visualizing? Oh, no, I don't do that. Should I? Well, yeah. Research has shown that when you visualize, you have an 80 to 90% greater chance of success than if you don't. So mental preparation takes a key role. The next word focuses about your concentration skills, what you're concentrating on, what your goals are, and then what are the distractions that get in the way? That takes us to attitude. And as I would say, there are three kinds of attitudes, positive, negative, and, what a, and the third one I call realistic. And to me, we all know what a, what a negative attitude is. We all know what a positive attitude is. And a re, I, I like to look at a positive, realistic attitude, meaning you're believing you can do things. You know it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a challenge. It may be difficult, but you're going to go for it. And then that takes us to confidence, the foundation of everything, which is that ability to believe in yourself. Well, believing that word, 
what does it mean to believe? It means you've got the mindset, the attitude to look ahead. Our shows are broadcast every Sunday morning here in Kansas City. And last night in the World Series in Game 4, Tampa Bay was down in the ninth inning, came back in a miraculous way and did a walk-off win against the Dodgers. Former Kansas City Royal Brett Phillips delivered the game-winning hit, and they came on to win. Now the series is tied 2-2. And it's interesting, I was reading quotes from the Dodger players and obviously very upset about what happened. It's like, hey, you know what? It's a freak deal. It was a bizarre ninth inning where this ended. And we still believe we, we've got, you know, two more wins. That's all we need. So that ability to believe. You know, in my lifetime, I've watched the Kansas City Royals for years. Back in 1985, the Royals were down three games to one to the Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs and came back and won four to three. And in the World Series, they were down three games to one to the Cardinals and came back and won four to three. A few years ago in the World's, in the playoffs, to get to the, the World Series, the Royals were down to the Oakland A's in the playoff game, in the wild card game. And they came back and won that in miraculous fashion. The Kansas City Chiefs last year in every playoff game, we're down 24 to nothing to Houston in the first quarter. Halftime is 28-24 Chiefs. It was 41-24 before Houston scored another point. Against Tennessee, they were down in the AFC Championship game 10 to nothing. Came back and won that. Of course, we all know in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are down to the 49ers seven minutes ago, 20 minutes to 10. Boom, they win that game. The ability to believe, the ability to have the right mindset is so, so important. That's what I want to get into today. And it starts, I believe, with a foundation in yourself that when you learn sports, when you learn how to play sports, it doesn't matter what the sport, you are taught, and, I, and I've discussed this for years on this show, the importance of how to deal with failure, how to deal with losing, how to deal with mistakes. And that's where the role of your coach comes in and your parents and your teachers, your educators, helping you to understand when you fail, it's part of the game. Now, if you listen to the show, you know I've co-authored a book with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame Coach Pete Malone. It's called Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. And our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. You're like, failure is not fun. Well, of course it isn't. Failing is not fun, but you can learn from it and you can eventually have fun if you learn to grow from that. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what sport you play. If you're male, female, girl, boy, man, woman, veteran, rookie, you're going to screw up. You're going to make mistakes. Why? Because that's the nature of life. We all make mistakes. And how we overcome that, how we grow from that is what we're going to talk about today. So one of the things I'd like to do is open up our phone lines and see if we can get some calls in here. If you're a coach, how do you teach your athletes to overcome negativity and failure if they're not doing well? How do you teach them to believe, to play to the end? Like I said, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, they want the stronger mind to come out on top. Well, how do you get a stronger mind? You learn to grow from failure. You learn to grow from negativity. You learn to grow when things don't go well. And that starts with your guides, your mentors, your teachers, your psychologists, coaches are psychologists. And a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach, as I always say, needs a sports psychologist. What's that mean? Well, you've got to have 
the teaching, the mindset to understand when things don't go well, you don't fall apart. You focus more. You concentrate more. You keep going. Tampa Bay in game four of the World Series proved that. They went in the bottom of the ninth in the World Series against the Dodgers up two to one, two outs, two strikes. One more strike, the game's over. Dodgers up three to one. But no, Brett Phillips gets a hit and, and a couple of bizarre errors and weird plays. And all of a sudden, it's tied up 2-2. The ability to believe starts with, I believe, when you're younger. The coaches you have, the guides you have, how they help you. And so we're going to get into this today. And I'd like to hear from you if you are a coach. How do you get your athletes, your team, to grow and learn from failure? I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach and your team hasn't done well, they're not doing well, what do you say to them to allow them to believe in their abilities, their skills? If you're an athlete and you've been behind, you've screwed up, you've made mistakes, something's not going right, how do you come back from that failure? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week talking about this. How do you get your athletes or young people to overcome failure? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? 
How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Today's topic is this. We're talking about your mindset. You know, I've been on the radio for 29 years. I've been in practice in my 40th year as a sports psychologist in Kansas City. Got my training out in San Diego at the California School of Professional Psychology. Trained under Dr. Robert Nidefer, probably the top sports psychologist in the country at the time, along with Dr. Bruce Ogilvie. And graduated one of the first training programs in the country. Came back here and have been working ever since. And one of the things I've, I've seen throughout my career is that when you have the right mindset, when you have the right training to overcome negativity and failure, when you have the ability to look at yourself and identify what you have to get better at, you're gonna improve. Now, one of the things that I have noticed in my practice that really, really bothers me is how so many younger age athletes have coaches who don't get it. They're negative, they're condescending, they're obsessed with winning, they get rude, they get negative, they get degrading. And this is not just for teenagers, this is for young kids. I, I, I have, this week I had three new clients in my office. Two soccer players and a baseball player. All teenagers, all different, but yet had similar issues. Similar issues about their attitude, about their mindset. And as and, and you know, when I when people come into my office, I typically meet with if I have a young athlete younger than say eighteen, I will meet with the parents first, find out what's going on, then we bring the athlete in, then the then 
all of us sit down together, the four of us or three of us, depending who's there, and design what I call a mental game plan to work on. And one of the things we do is try to, I try to find a history on why they're there. And typically, typically this is what comes up with so many people. And this is not just with young athletes. This is with NFL players, Major League Baseball players, college basketball players, professional athletes, triathletes, hockey players. I mean, I've got golfers, tennis players. They'll have a coach at a young age who for some reason likes to yell and scream at them when they make a mistake. And I don't mean, you know, if you're a soccer coach yelling across the field about what they want to do. I mean, getting on them about it. I have one, two, three college female athletes right now. Two basketball players and a soccer player that I'm working with. Full ride scholarships. Obviously very, very talented young women yet have this mindset, this, this, this part of their, their mentality that says they can't because they're not good enough because as a younger athlete, they had a coach who reamed their backside when they screwed up. And yet they overcame it, but nonetheless, they've still had issues with it. And it's affecting them now. So one of the things that I try to get at with, with, especially when I talk to coaches, how do you coach failure? How do you coach negativity? And how do you get your athletes to overcome that? And that's where, to me, and I've used this example before on my show, my co-author Jeff Montgomery, the Kansas City Royals all-time saves leader with over 300 saves. I met Jeff in 1990 when I was the Royals' first full-time sports psychologist and Got to know him extremely well, and when he retired, he started a baseball team, and my son tried out and made it. And I, I, Jeff was tremendous as a coach because he taught these kids about how to fail. He didn't yell and scream at them. He didn't get mad at them. He would sit down and talk to them at practice after game, not in the game, but at practice, the next practice. Here's what you did wrong. Let's, or what do you th- He'd ask them, first of all, if they knew what they did wrong, why did they do it wrong, and how do you overcome it? That's coaching, especially with young kids. Now, when you get to college and the pros, it's different. But at younger ages, believing the mindset is so important. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. I'd like to get some calls in here today. If you are a coach, how do you coach that negativity and failure? How do you get your athletes to believe in themselves? If you're an athlete and you had to overcome some failure, some negativity, whether it's from a coach, a parent, a teammate, or your your inner demons... How did you do that? Success in sports does not always happen because you're the most physically gifted. It happens also because psychologically you're together. Back in the 90s, when I was working with Tom Gordon, who had the major league record 54 saves when he was with the Red Sox, Tom was with the Cubs at this point. I went down to spring training and said, Doc, you've got to meet this guy. I want you to talk to him. I want you to get to know him. His name's Mac Newton. He's a was the Cubs' personal trainer. An interesting man. Mac wrote a book called The Path to Power, A Master's Guide to Conquering Crisis. He's a health and fitness consultant, a seventh degree black belt master instructor at Taekwondo and a two-time world champion, despite 
two artificial hips and a steel plate in one knee that he got in Vietnam. And in his book, he sums up the book in five chapters, which I'm going to read to you here in a moment. But essentially what he talks about is he got injured in Vietnam. He came back to the United States. He's stuck in Chicago in a hospital. And a Taekwondo master instructor came in who knew of him and asked him why I was there. And Max like, dude, man, I've been shot up. I Look at me. And the guy said, I thought you were something special. You need to get out of here and get moving. Max like, I can't leave. I'm shot up. I mean, my knee's shot. The guy left, came back a couple weeks later and said, what are you still doing here? I thought you were, you were, a, you were a special guy. You're not special. Look at you. Well, it infuriated him so much, he, he got out of that hospital, rehabbed himself, and went on to success. He sums up his book in these five chapters, and, and, and I want to share them with you right now because I think this tells a story. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I fall in. I'm lost, it's dark, and it feels hopeless. It's not my fault. It seems to take forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm back in the same place. It's dark. It's not my fault. And it still takes an awful long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. This time my eyes are open. I know where I am and realize it is my fault. I get out more quickly. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. It's about looking at yourself in the mirror, identifying what you have to do. And when you fail, when you screw up, when you make a mistake, confront it, look at it, deal with it. If you do that, if you strike out, if you double fault, if you hit it out of bounds, if you miss the wall in a turn, you, you, you give in to the pain, the pressure, the stress. Identify it, work on that, get better. That's what we're going to talk about in the second half of this show. And I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an athlete. How do you believe? How do you overcome the negativity, the failure that you have in your sport and life? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call and let's talk. I'm going to help you believe in yourself and overcome these obstacles today. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. And our shows are rebroadcast around the country, a number of stations. And if you'd like to listen to other episodes of this show or get it every week by podcast, you can go to winnersunlimited.com and click on the podcast page at the top of the page. And then you can also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, search for the Sports Psychology Hour. And, of course, they're also rebroadcast here at Sports Radio at 10 WHB. Today's topic is the ability to believe, to overcome negativity, to overcome failure. And I've been talking about several things. I just read a summation of a, of a book called The Path to Power by Mac Newton, who 
was injured in Vietnam, came back to the United States and went on to become a seventh degree black belt master instructor of Taekwondo and two-time world champion, despite a steel plate in the knee and two artificial hips. 1990, I had the privilege of being the Kansas City Royal sports psychologist and I got to know Bo Jackson. Now, we all know who he is, probably the, the, the greatest athlete of modern times. Bo Jackson was a physical freak and he never lifted weights. His body was was a body of of, of a god. I mean, he he could, his body was incredible. The condition he was in, he didn't lift weights. He was just gifted. But mentally, he also was gifted. And he was criticized a lot. A lot of people criticized Bo. Oh, you played two sports. If you just played one, think how good you'd be. Because he he was one of the first athletes, modern-day athletes, to play football and baseball. Deion Sanders did it as well after Bo. And John Havlicek did it back when he played basketball and baseball earlier on. But anyway, and then, of course, Michael Jordan tried to play baseball after he played basketball. Bo played both at the same time. I remember sitting down and talking with him, and he'd tell me, you know, Doc, everyone criticizes me. You should do one. Think how good you'd be at one. And he goes, well, I'm, I think I'm pretty damn good at both. And he goes, you know, there's always a always a cynic out there. There's always somebody who criticizes you. There's always somebody negative. I try to drown that stuff out. Because when I was a kid, I had to learn to deal with that from my older siblings. And I got stronger because of it. Mental growth, mental mindsets are so important. And the ability to believe in yourself in the face of adversity, in the face of failure, I think is one of the greatest attributes we can all have. So if you are a coach, what do you do when your team is down or you're the athlete you're working with or not playing well? Your role plays such a significant part in how they can or cannot overcome that. And I think a lot of it is in practice, how you teach them when they failed, when they've screwed up, when they've made a mistake, not to freak out about it, not to go into doldrums, not to fall apart, not to get distraught, but to look inside themselves. That's why I read about this, this book from Mac Newton. He looked at himself, why am I in this hole and how do I get out of it? Well, next time I walk around it and don't fall in. But he had to get there by steps. So if you're a coach, how do you teach your athletes to overcome negativity? And I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach and you've had an athlete who has failed, who screwed up. How do you help them get better? If you're an athlete, you've had a coach who helped you do that. I'd love to hear from you as well. Or, or a parent who'd like to talk about a coach who coaches their child. What have they done? What did they say? How did they guide them? I have found throughout my 40 years of work that this is one of those things. In fact, I'll tell you a story. When I, when I was in grad school, I did an internship at San Diego State University. And I worked with the men's tennis team and the women's gymnastics team, my first work in the sports psychology field. And this was all written about in the paper, so I can share it. We had a, we had a player named Troy Collins who was a tremendously gifted young man but was struggling, and he was way down the tennis ladder, and you know, I think it was like number 12 or 13. He should have been number one. Well, we started working on things because he started to look in the mirror and deal with stuff. 
we played a dual match. Troy, Troy, Troy was black, and we had a match against University of Utah, and it was with a, a ranked, nationally ranked player who was very heated. It got very intense, and it had to go to a tiebreaker. They had to call a linesman to call the service line, and this guy won in a very controversial tiebreaker point. Very, very heated match. We got to the conference championships, the University of Utah, and playing us in the championships was at Brigham Young. Utah had a bunch of fans that came to the competition, and they were saying a lot of derogatory things to Troy because he was black, and the Brigham Young coached his credit told these people, if you don't, you keep doing this, you're out of here. Troy won the match. It was very heated. The, the guy played, didn't want to shake his hand afterwards. Troy overcame a tremendous amount of adversity and negativity by looking in the mirror. And we talked about this. How do you overcome negativity? How do you overcome failure? You've got to focus on yourself. You have to believe in what you can do. Didn't mean he was going to win. Even if he'd lost that match, he was a winner because he overcame this negativity. You know, the racial things that were said to him, which were, which were so disgusting and so wrong, blocked him out, didn't listen to him. He focused on what he had to do. Throughout my career, that's, that's what I've worked with people on, is how do you overcome these negative things when they happen? What do you have to do? How can you do it? And I think the role of a really good coach is some it, 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 a really good coach takes on the role of a guide with that. When you see your athlete struggling, when you see your athlete not doing well, instead of getting angry at them because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, at practice, ask them why they thought they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Now, it's one thing if you have an athlete who's behaviorally not not behaving. That That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about performance great coaches sit down and will ask and they will listen i mean the great coaches like to tell their athletes what to do but they also will listen to what's going on in that athlete's head okay why did you strike out in that situation what happened like i said tampa bay beats the dodgers in game four of the world series in the bottom of the ninth a walk-off game a lot of freak plays on this one play this one hit basically two errors on one play and Tampa Bay wins the game ties it at 2-2 I mean this shows rebroadcast we'll all know what happens later on in in the last games but there were were two outs and two strikes Dodger closer was pitching great a blue pit basically It it was a solid hit but it wasn't a Line drive, falls in, Dodger outfielder misplays the play, throws the ball, ball goes to home plate, catcher swipes to tag out the runner, he's not there, the ball gets away, Tampa Bay wins. Not giving up, not quitting, not stopping. That's what this is about. And how do you do that? By having the mindset to believe, you know, until it's over, you still have a chance. You see so many situations in sports, and and to me, this is a parallel to life. These same things happen in life. We're going to constantly be confronted 
with stressful situations, with scenarios where you have to perform under pressure, but you've got to look at yourself, you've got to identify what's going on within your head, within your thoughts. And to me, that's where mental preparation and visualization come in. When visualization is about taking the time to see yourself in situations where you can see, can succeed and you can fail, and then how you overcome them. Because no matter what sport you play, you're gonna screw up, you're gonna make a mistake. And how you overcome that's gonna get you better. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Love to hear from you if you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete. How do you overcome failure if you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent? Give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. 
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking about the mental aspect, the mental side of sports. I've been on the radio in Kansas City for 29 years. I've been in practice in my 40th year now as a sports psychologist. I've been doing it about as long as anybody in the country. And I love doing this show to help you help yourselves get better at what you do. And today's topic is the, the ability to believe, to, to deal with negativity, deal with failure, and, and, and how that mindset can help you. And, you know, I shared earlier in the show a summation of the book, A Path to Power by Mac Newton, a personal trainer, and how he overcame negativity in his life to become successful. And I think, you know, when we fail, basically you've, you've got three choices. You can let that failure consume you and be stuck in it. You can just sort of stay numb and not do anything. Or you can decide to attack it and improve from it. Or the, the other one is just let the negativity take over your life and just be stuck in negativity. And I think when you when you fail, and we all fail, we all screw up at, at everything at some point. It's like, what do you do to get better? And that's that's the theme of this show today, the ability to believe. Like I said, you, we see it in sports. You know, I've never met Patrick Mahomes. I've watched him now for in his third season with the Chiefs. And actually fourth season, I guess. But... Uh, Third, se- third season now playing full-time. And you listen to him talk, and obviously he's become the face of the NFL. And he talks about this ability to look at himself and look at what he does wrong and how he can get better at it. I think that's one of the great attributes that he has. Of course, now he grew up in a solid family, two parents. His father was a successful major league baseball pitcher for a number of years and so he was around locker rooms he grew up around professional athletes so he saw this and outside of his freak physical abilities and let's face it the way he throws balls sometimes footballs is just bizarre but i think that comes from his baseball but but nonetheless i think so much of his success has to do with the mindset that he has about being able to just keep going after it. You know, the greatest baseball performances I ever saw was David Fries of the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series a few years ago against Texas. Game six, down five games, excuse me, down three games to two to Texas in St. Louis. Bottom of the ninth, 0-2 count, two guys on, there are two runners on, two runners on base, Cardinals are losing five to three, down three games to two. And Freeze gets a triple. And then, you know, in extra innings, hits home run, they win. Next day, his first at bat, he gets a double. And that game where he got the triple and the home run, afterwards, he's being interviewed. And it was one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever seen because here's a guy who grew up in St. Louis, a huge Cardinal fan, gets drafted by the Padres, gets traded back to the Cardinals for Jim Edmonds, his boyhood hero. Here he is in the World Series. Now, how much more pressure can there be than this? It's game six. You're down three games to two. You have an 0-2 count on you in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. One more strike, you lose the World Series. What's he do? Gets a triple. Then he hits a home run in extra innings. And his rationale after the game was, I was just focusing on executing, trying to get the barrel, 
bat through and make contact. He wasn't thinking about the score. He knew the score, obviously. He knew what was going on, but he was just trying to make contact. He was trying to execute. And that obviously came from the way he was raised, what his parents taught him, what his coaches taught him. Great example to me of where this matters. So, Shane, let me ask you a question. You grew up playing sports. We as we all did. You saw negative things happen before, right? You grew up in a small town, but you saw negative things happen. What kind of an impact do you think that had on some of the, the athletes you saw? Well, as we were talking in the break, I didn't necessarily see it from coaches, but I remember specifically in youth baseball, a friend of mine whose dad was way too loud and it, it embarrassed him and it put him in a shell. He was a pitcher and was just like hassling him out loud. And I, I think most of the other parents had to get up and tell him like, calm down. Like it totally put this kid, we we're probably in sixth grade into a shell when he was pitching. And I mean, that's, that's not good. And that it was embarrassing for him. What, do you know what happened afterwards? Well, he, I think the, the coach took, took him out of pitching that inning because he was just kind of like almost in tears. And uh, I don't know if he ever, I think the dad was asked not to come back. Well, you know, I, I've, I saw this when my kids were, were playing. You'd see parents go out of control. You'd see coaches go out of control. And I always tell coaches to bring a bag of uh, lollipops or Tootsie Pops for a game and, get, and hand them out to the parents at a youth sporting event and say, suck on this. And uh, I know a lot of people think that's funny, but it actually works because I've, I've had a lot of parents. In fact, I had a uh, college basketball player, a very prominent college basketball player, his dad, he could hear him, and this is at Allen Fieldhouse, he could hear him at the games because he'd hear his voice. Now, Allen Fieldhouse gets pretty darn loud, but if he, if he messed up, he'd hear his dad. So I told him this thing. I said, give your dad Tootsie Pops. So he said, Doc, really? Give him a, I said, yeah, give him some Tootsie Pops and tell him, Dad, when you come to the game, why don't you put, put one of the... Why don't you take two in the first half and two in the second half and suck on them? He goes, seriously? I said, yeah. He's not diabetic, is he? He goes, no, 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 he's fine. I said, okay, then give, give him a touch. Well, this guy did it the next game, and then he comes and sees me, and, and he said, Dr. Jacobs, you will not believe it. I didn't hear a word he said because he didn't say anything. And then after, after we played... And this young man played really well that game. He said, Doc, my dad gave me a hug afterwards and said, son, why didn't you give me those Tootsie Pops years ago? Because I think I learned something. I just need to enjoy the experience and watch you play. You're a college basketball player. You're pretty good. I don't, you don't need to hear me yell at you. So I think, you know, believing in your skills and abilities is so important. And... If, a, if you're a coach, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a coach, I think the most important thing you can do when you're coaching kids is when they screw up and make a mistake is that practice afterwards, pull them aside and ask them when they screwed up and when they succeeded, what was the difference? When they've done well, why did they think they did well? When they didn't do well, why did they think they didn't do well? From a mental perspective, what was different? And it will really open your eyes up to what these young people are thinking. 
And I think that can help you then help them as a coach. Because the ability to believe, like I said, you know, the, I believe it was the 69 Mets had that, that theme, you got to believe. And it was one of those things where, you know, it, it, it was amazing. Um, they came back from, 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 you know, they were such a bad team, yet they won the World Series. And, and that, excuse me, it was 1973. And the theme, you got to believe, came up. Tim McGraw's dad, everybody knows Tim McGraw as well. His dad, Tug McGraw, was a great re- relief pitcher. And he helped them with that. And so it, that sort of became their mantra. Well, great teams believe. Great athletes believe. And it starts with not allowing the pressure and stress from failure to eat you up, to knock you down. So hopefully in today's show, if you've been listening I'd encourage you to have your coaches listen to this, your athletes listen to this, and talk about this. What are the things you have to do to be successful? Preparation, focus, attitude, confidence, but a lot of it's the ability to believe in your skills and your abilities. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to listen to other episodes of this show, or this show is podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHP, you can go to my website, winnersunlimited.com, click on the podcast tab at the top of the page, and you can scroll down. You know, I've got podcasts from years on there. I've been on the radio 29 years now. About eight years of them on there. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts and search the Sports Psychology and you'll find me. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Love to hear from you. If you want to get a hold of me, there are a lot of ways that you can reach me. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can give me a call at 816 561 5556 That's my office number. I am taking on new clients. I talk to people all over the country, do FaceTime, Zoom calls, phone calls. I'm at Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych. Have a great week. Stay well and believe. Take care. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. 
Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.